my spidey senses tingling. He's the host with pants so tight he can unbend iPhone 6s. He's slim. This is the Paper Keg Podcast, episode 170. Welcome to this show. Thanks for tuning in. This is a comic book podcast with three fathers. You know, we don't get a lot of time to ourselves, except late at night, 1 a.m., drinking alone. Mm. Mm-hmm. Watching the WWE app. Uh, we'll talk about comics and we'll do a book club. We'll read the same book. A little book called The Fifth Beetle. And uh, then we'll read your letters live to close out the show. Uh, that's Paper Cake in a Nutshell. Like it or lump it. Uh, three living hosts of Paper Keg right now. Used to have one host, he's dead. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dale underscore A. He's got two kids. Heavy drinking problem, you know, you got two kids, it just comes with the territory, the alcoholism. I just went on vacation with Dale underscore A. We brought our families together. Oh, boy. Uh, we don't even know if Dale read anything for this episode, <laughs> if I can be frank. Welcome if to the show. If it's not the back of a Jim Beam bottle, he probably doesn't know what it's about. Dale underscore A. Uh, VP of Marketing, VP of Merch has, is looking to implementing comic books on the back of huge liquor bottles so I can just nurse and sit and nurse and read and sit because once the uh, witching hour comes and you're just I mean you've had it for the day you gotta get those GD kids down and pray to God you have enough energy to stay awake another half hour for some me time there's no time I remember late in that week you know, we put those kids to bed what felt like 5 p.m. early. <laughs> we sat down to watch some Jaws on uh, Dale's birthday. Nice. And I looked over. I, I felt it was a great moment. I looked over to Dale. I wanted to just, you know, just wanted to have a moment where we just looked at each other and nodded. He was asleep. <laughs> Snoring. You completely made that nodding part up. You were checking. You wouldn't know. You were asleep. I only fell asleep. I was. Hoopa. Mr. Hoopa! Oh, God, what a week. Jonesy loves beer. He's with us. Thank you. Nobody knows what he did during the week that we were gone. I could have died and come back from the dead. I saw some kind of vague Jonesy Q&A on Twitter, and I just threw my phone across the room. I got got one tweet out of it. I got one tweet out of it. You know, you you guys were gone. I had to make sure the brand lived on. Social media Uh, sensation. John Let's be honest, beer. I also fell asleep during the John C. Loves Beer Q&A, so there's that. Classic uh, one one question for the Q&A, Jonesy falls asleep. Jonesy quits. Jonesy quits. Uh, Jonesy quits social media sensation strategist. Welcome back to the show. 
Thank you so much for having me. I've missed you both terribly. You know, the question that's on everyone's mind since we last recorded, it's, been a, it's not been, we're still weekly. It's going to be, this show's a, <laughs> uh, dropping a little late. The question on everyone's mind, how is Jonesy's gangrenous toe? <laughs> My God. Can we get oh, an man, update do on guys, this? Do you guys uh, want a real live medical update? Uh, you are sure. You are resting it in a tub of Epsom salt right now. <laughs> uh, the the left big toe nail was uh, oh here we go taken. <laughs> Just gonna plop bleed uh, this the, out. The cuticle was removed because oh, it was infected. Oh, I have an ankle X-ray scheduled tomorrow at eight forty a.m. Eight ankle. What is going on? Ankle uh, X-ray. Yeah, the the swelling in the ankle never went down. Oh, Extremely God. painful. What are the chances that they're gonna amputate uh, underneath your knee? Ah oh, man, fifty sixty percent, like forty four percent. Oh okay, man. Well, that sounds good. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be. Fine. I mean, I won't die. So well, <laughs> let's. I mean, never say never. <laughs> On the operating table, nobody's perfect. <laughs> I think that's a sign above the uh, ER. It says nobody's perfect. Born on well, born on the fourth. Whatever of July. happens, happens. <laughs> Jonesy whipping around as a wheelie wheelchair. I'll be fine. God, the memories we'll have of Jonesy after he passes. Oh man, um, when they fail the amputation. What a show we have planned. This is one of the biggest shows we've ever done. I'm really excited about a few letters that we got in. I I perused some of them. Oh, really wow. happy about it. I feel like I have to read one of them. <laughs> I know exactly which one you're like I need to. I need to put on my letter reading hat later in the show. So it's a good thing that you pre-peruse these letters. Then I mean, normally yeah. you are hands off with the letters. I am. I, I, I mark as read. As fate would have it, you intervened. You pried eyes. Oh God, it's gonna feel. It's gonna real be good. a matrimonial letter. Yeah, I mean, really, I feel good about it. The fifth Beatle, the Brian Epstein story, Beatles fans. Anybody out there? Dale's a big Beatles fan. <laughs> I'm. I like the Beatles. I, you know, huge fan. That's what you listen <laughs> to on out vacation every morning when you're waking those kids up. I mean, you just roll in your eyes like get you and you, can't you and your kids just go be doing something away from me for the week? <laughs> no way! That's I never said exactly that. Exactly what was crossing your mind as you never were turning that. to nod at me like, get your a out of here, <laughs> get your energetic little kids out of here up at six a.m. every morning. In the bedroom next to us, that didn't, they didn't wake me up once, except for the last day when your one son was screaming like his limbs were being torn off at <laughs> five in the morning. It was oh boy, I don't know what was going on in that room. Nobody knows I'm, except you and your wife. I'm gonna go get a drink. I'll be right back. We have a big show. We just came back from vacation, one of the greatest vacations of all time. It really was. It was. Dale and I, and my wife and son also went on a glorious bike ride, eight mile ride down the beach. Oof. Hmm. How were your loins after that ride? I'll tell you, I, I, I couldn't even, I mean, I had to do it because I couldn't look foolish in front of people who were used to eight mile bike rides, but it was my, I mean, it was, I can tell you the elliptical helped immensely on, in prepping for such a bike ride, but hmm. nothing could fully prepare the only thing that got me through was the niceness of other bike riders as we passed them nodding and waving. Right. Yeah. And I tried to like speak to them with my dry mouth. <laughs> <sighs> it was an amazing time. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do a flap one day and we'll talk about it. Oh boy. Yeah. The flap, another paper keg radio syndicate podcast. Google it. Runaway hit. Runaway hit. The numbers are in. Mm-hmm. But we need to get into the comic talk. 
I know I read at least two comics this week, so if anyone talks about the books I talked about, we're done. Show's over. We're toast. <laughs> Jonesy loves beer. Yes. You were on vacation from us last week. What terrible. What did you spend your time reading? Well, uh, shocking no one, I read Daredevil 7. <laughs> what about Amazing Spider-Man? Is that your other book? Uh, <laughs> it might be Spider-Man 2099. Is that all right? Uh, so, we have here a wonderful episode, or I'm sorry, issue by Mark Wade and Chris Omni. Was there any doubt? Uh, this arc, oh yeah, something just girded in my loins. Some life. Mm-mm. Jonesy, a la Daniel Day Lewis, turning his conic pages with his club foot. <laughs> Pulling it out of the Epsom salt, smearing his club <laughs> across the front of the iPad. <laughs> trailing, I'm wheeling, trailing salt I'm water. I'm going to road my jazzy as you and uh, Matt are on a tandem bike next to me. Trailing his salt water across the iPad screen. Dreams of iPad or uh, iPhone 6 Plus in his head. I mean, <laughs> what a time to be alive, right? Bragging to anybody who listened about his non-toe. Bragging. We missed you, Jonesy. It's oh. been... Surely there was some uh, blueprints about how you're going to troll me this show. A paper keg, up. A paper keg that's long, that's a longer duration of absence of, of eight days. I mean, we might as well not even do the show. Let's just listen to this song and repeat for an hour. God, can you imagine the gimps photoshops that are possible with Daniel Day-Lewis? <laughs> Later tonight. <laughs> Later tonight. After the editing of the show is over, yeah. of course. Still with us, Jensi? Oh, sorry. I, that was right. I was in the middle of a comic uh, review. <laughs> so, uh, Daredevil issue seven uh, has the return of uh, Kilgrave, the purple man, who can basically tell you what to do just by speaking to you. And the major overarching plot of the book is that for the last 10 or so years, he's been secretly impregnating women folk around the country. Oh, my God. And then is now reaping them as there are now, uh, now children who has the same power as him. Mm-hmm. So I won't reveal the twist ending, but I'm going to get into it pretty deep. They turn on him. With... Uh, with Daredevil and the Purple Man. It's a pretty great issue, guys. You should read it. Daredevil and the Purple Man. It's like a seventies show with that uh, theme. I'll see you, folks. It's been great. <laughs> Come Jones on, those everybody. Stay tuned for Jonesy's Q and A later tonight right. on Twitter. <laughs> that I will sleep through so fast. So has Mark Wade's Daredevil with Chris Somney held? It's high level of uh, it is a quality. 
dipped never once, my friend. Oh, dipped never once. I would. I completely agree with it. Wow. Completely agree with Jonesy. What so happens when Daredevil and Mark, uh, Mark Wade and Somni leave Daredevil? What happens I then? Might, you know, I just might curl into a ball and suck my deformed toe. Oh, my word. The, uh, and wish wish for a swift death. Might have to edit that out. I don't think we can say that on the podcast. It was, it was disturbing. <laughs> I mean, that was like toe. saw. Like jigsaw face locks him in a room, forces him to tell us that story, and we all just yeah. gouge our eyeballs out. And yeah, I get, I get a nearby circular saw just put it on my wrists to try to get out of my shackles <laughs> to leave the room a la Cara Elwes. Oh, here come the cops too, the police. <laughs> the cops heard that story. They're not happy about it. They are <laughs> we need to move on. Run out of tape. One of the biggest shows, The Fifth Beetle, coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, what about a book that I read? Let's get into it. Let's tell us about it. Do I want to talk about... Well, Mark Jonesy just did Marvel, so maybe I won't do Gwen Stacy's Spider-Woman. Although I feel like I should because it was so good. Hmm. How about a little book that maybe you've heard about on this show from another host? And that title is Supreme Blue Rose. Hmm. Yes. Was that, was that a Dale book? That was, my, that was a Dale book, yeah. Issue one. I... um. Vaguely remember Dale talking about it. You know, I I really go, I go in and out during these kind of roundtable stuff, especially it. when Jonesy's talking. I mean, Thanks. I don't I don't I don't retain anything that is spoken in these segments. Supreme Blue Rose. You ever heard of this Warren Ellis character? Did a book called Global Frequency. <laughs> Stellar. Uh, planetary. Mm. Moon Knight. Splurt, 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 splurt. So this uh, thing that's happened in Image Comics, you know, Rob Liefeld created a bunch of characters back in the day. He's a hit maker, they call him. Deadpool, Cable, and the rest. So what's happening is they bring in creators and they put them on these characters that Rob Liefeld created and they can just do whatever they want as if it's their book. doesn't even really have to tie into the character all that much. So Profit, one of Dale's picks, is a book like that. So Supreme Blue Rose is uh, loosely tied together with this character Supreme. It's kind of like Superman. And this female character is hired to find Supreme. Some kind of event has happened, and it's loosely tied to Supreme, who's been missing, apparently. And the... I think I read three. So the first three issues are her kind of accepting the job while also navigating through these kind of weirdo dream time travel sequences that she's having that are like possibly hallucinations. And the art is amazing. It's like a kind of hallucinogenic Mike Allred style, which I'm in love with. Mm-hmm. Like I'd want to buy the prints of this book and put them on my walls. So, and there's a lot of, I was actually talking to my wife about it because she also read it. And it reminded, it's very thick with, Warren Ellis word generator time travel <laughs> stuff. And it involves, you know, this uh, j- this investigative journalist getting in a limo to kind of go to her next location to search for Supreme. And on the way, she gets cooped up in this kind of time travel um, scenario where she talks to this mystery man. So there's a lot of, like, mystery people, and then they drop 
mystery time travel knowledge at her, which could easily just be gibberish, but you don't know because it's Warren Ellis and it could be true. Like I could read most of this stuff and they're not even really words. They're just made up stuff, <laughs> but it's just so gorgeous and, and intriguing and I didn't understand half of it, but I just want to keep reading. I loved it. I was shocked that I liked it so much. In most of Warren Ellis's book, he has a way of just making you feel completely comfortable with the words you don't understand you're reading. Like for some reason, you just you you just get it somehow, even though you have no idea how to explain it to other people. Right. It's just you you're along for the ride, and you kind of understand the message he's trying to convey to your brain. And uh, you're right. It's weird. It's like I I'm reading it, and I just know in my head that like this note makes no logical sense but it makes sense somehow yeah like i don't understand how it works but it does right and then you're trying and the worst part is when you're trying to explain to anybody else because they're not witnessing this jumble of words firsthand but somehow it makes sense but it doesn't make sense but it somehow he has a way of making you feel comfortable enough to get this like get what he's trying to tell you in this that's so would so you're gonna you recommend keep reading i only read the first issue no i recommend keep reading like mm. i had recommended it to my wife after reading the first one and then i read the second one and i was like oh man this one's like super deep warren ellis generator and so i was like hesitant to see what she thought of it and um but she did like it after reading the three issues so supreme is like the Maltese falcon in this there's no yeah you don't even as far as i'm aware he was in like maybe a half of a panel oh, okay in like a drugged out scenario where you, it could have been anything but mm. the supreme logo is in the book more than he is it's awesome yeah so the artist is tula lote mm. i follow her instagram you know oh man we're tight like that probably knocks out of the park on that instagram <laughs> good grief did you find it via the explorer tab oh god instagram? the explorer tab instagram if you're listening right now bravo guys you just know so much about each other that you discovered last week I'm... yeah that's it's what happens gen z you're busy uh, tweeting anecdotes about hipsters bending their iPhones. <laughs> right, Slim and I skipped our like skipped our iPhones like rocks into the beautiful ocean. That's what we did as we sat and let the sun soak us up and the waves uh, nearly take our kids' dump trucks away. And we had to get up out of the sand and go chase on. I don't even get these references. I mean, I was I was relaxing on the beach one day, and I just felt hunger. In my stomach, and I get up and I turn around and I just see in the distance Dale walking to the beach with a pizza in his hand, pizza box. <laughs> it was one of the greatest moments of my life. Yes, there were flies on the pizza, but it was still delicious. Yeah, North you know? Carolina's Outer Banks rife with flies of all kinds. They will just attack your food <laughs> and die in it. They will just die to spite you. They may have died in the greasy pizza, but that's. <laughs> What happens in the Outer Banks stays in the Outer Banks. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, Dale underscore A. I'm mayor, mayor of the Outer Banks. <laughs> Soon to be. What what happened uh, with your reading this week? I had caught up on some issues of comics I downloaded before the vacation. So technically two weeks old now. Would have technically, technically for Paper Keg a week old because this is last week's episode. But I have not made it to the comic book shop for last week's books yet. So I'm just going to go tomorrow and get two weeks worth. But uh, uh, to 
pre-piggyback on t- onto your uh, Spider-Verse Gwen Stacy issue, I read the first issue of Edge of Spider-Verse with mm. uh, the 1939 noir Spider-Man. And it's a pretty keen standalone issue, but the, f- the last page makes you feel like you missed something, which apparently kicked off in Superior Spider-Man number 32, which I had no interest in picking up, but now I may to find out who the heck Superior Spider-Man is. Um, and this this uh, is about Mysterio, who is confident. He's, he's in a movie theater with his apprentice uh, slash woman helper slash wife, maybe. And he's watching like the old newsreels because that's what you know movie theaters used to play in between movies of uh, footage, film footage of noir Spider-Man. And Mysterio is confident that this Spider-Man has the blood of like a spider god running through him. So Mysterio's plan is to um, stage a rescue, uh, a kidnapping operation around a show where Spider-Man will have to intervene and and basically give himself up in place of 1939's Felicia Hardy that he is going to sacrifice on stage but make it look fake for the uh, for the viewing audience. Spider-Man shows up and basically Mysterio being the small-time guy that he is kind of flubs the plan uh, Felicia Hardy gets free, and then there's this um, there's this like ghost scuba divery thing. Reminded me something out of a Scooby Doo cartoon of the days of old. And he shows up with like this Neptune's pitchfork, and he is going to kill Noir Spider Man until the Superior Spider Man shows up from our time, and he basically um, evacuates Noir Spider Man into this realm where he is gathering other Spider-Man from the Spider-Verse because something is going down and he needs all the Spider-Man, Spider-Men and women to kind of, I guess, amass because they're, somebody's gunning for them or they need to gun for somebody. Hmm. It's a pretty cool story. I mean, um, for a one-shot back in the noir universe, I only read, I think, the first two issues of Noir Spider-Man, but... It's it's a pretty cool... I think I'm getting pumped for this Spider-Verse event. And it'll be cool to see all these Spider-Men from multi- other dimensions sh- end up in a uh, an event together. I'm digging it. And uh, the first issue was uh, was really cool for that. I, I m- may feel like I need to go finish... Start and finish Superior number 32. It probably... You know, it was probably like a waste of a issue until the last page when something happens. But we'll see. But I So have you... Uh, warmed up to Amazing Spider-Man because I don't, I don't, th- I think you were kind of lukewarm when it restarted, weren't you? A little bit. Um, no, I was, I was pumped. It was, it was kind of like it felt like business as usual, which could be perceived as lukewarm for the relaunch of Amazing Spider-Man number one. But it was, it felt like just you know, it could have been Spider-Man six seventy two or whatever. It just wasn't anything super amazing for a number one, you know, the return of Peter Parker and stuff. I do like the storyline that's going on. The Silk stuff is kind of goofy. I didn't read uh, issue six or issue five. 
but and the silk stuff feels a little kind of jammed in there but i i mean i'm i'm still completely faithful mm-hmm. to dan slan slan don't say it and uh his his peter parker spider-man though completely the um i really liked the wolverine noir way back when they first did those that was quite excellent mm. if you're interested yeah i'm just yeah, to check there. it out i mean book club maybe who knows just or another for the uh, two sentences or less the fall of wolverine lightning round <laughs> all fall most coming coming this fall for paper the <laughs> most popular segment in show history Jonesy Loves Beer. Two sentences or less. Another book that you read. Please. Not on my time. They will tell you you can't sleep That was that was pretty clutch. <laughs> Southern Bastards, issue number four. The best comic on the stands, maybe. What? what? Continues on. At a breakneck pace. Spider-Verse. Gwen Stacy, Spider-Woman. I would pay top dollar for a monthly Gwen Stacy, Spider-Woman comic book. Hands down. Jersey's face, my God, the unbelievable... Unbelief. Like I'm going to have to read it down. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, guys. Cyclops number four. War criminal. Marvel keg. <laughs> Scott and his father are still stranded, but making strides to get off the planet they are stranded on. Greg Rucka draws the war, writes the war criminal so well. Jonesy would even love this book. (laughs) Cyclops is terrible. (laughs) I think Rucka is leaving that title after that arc too. Oh yeah. He's on some kind of Ellis deal. He just oh, gets on and gets God. off. I just, spoilers. Spoilers, I just dropped Cyclops. <laughs> <laughs> the Fifth Beetle, the Brian Epstein story. Vivek Tiwari, Andrew Robinson, and Kyle Baker. Graphic novel. This is out of our wheelhouse, folks. You know, this is a story that has no capes, no swampy creatures, you know, no Spidey, no Marvel comics. <laughs> Hands down. Spoilers. Jonesy, what's this book about? I just want to ask one question. Dale, when you first saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show when you were a kid, did you ever think they would achieve such stardom? <laughs> I mean, I knew once they hit Ed Sullivan, something, something was a brewing. You know what I mean? I yeah. was probably in on the ground floor. Dale had just come home. He was undoing his tie. <laughs> yeah. It was so much harder back then. No internet. Yeah. You know, zine, paper zines you'd pick up at the record store. 
things like this. He uses kids as remotes before he ethered them at night. Asked his wife for some tang as soon as he walked in. <laughs> tang in my <laughs> pipe of uh, unfiltered tobacco. <laughs> my, my my slippers most likely made in the USA at the time. Yeah, Gen Z's been waiting eight days I to know. ask you that question. Yeah, so proud of himself with his chin, hand on his chin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. The fifth Beatle is the tale of Brian Epstein, who was the manager slash producer slash best friend of the Beatles. And the story is the really is the struggle between Brian's own identity, uh, his seeking of validation of who he is by taking the small Liverpool band and really turning them from an underground cult following into what we know as the Beatles today. And the book does a great job of mirroring such huge success for Brian and reflecting what personal turmoil he's going through himself. Uh, Really one of the most inspiring, sad, bittersweet stories you'll ever read about how the Beatles came to be. And, you know, the foreword in this book uh, asks the question, why isn't Brian Epstein in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a non-musician inductee? And by the end of this book, I was thinking the same thing. A wonderful tale about love, true love, no matter what kind of person you are, what you're into. Real, a true love story between this man and the Beatles. Uh, The fifth Beatle, uh, you're kidding yourself if you're not reading this graphic novel. Uh, One of the most inspirational stories you will find on the shelves today. Big, strong words from Jonesy Loves Beer. And I just want to interject for one moment. I googled just now Brian Epstein Beatles to see what he actually looked like. And one of the photos that came up was none other than Benedict Cumberbatch. What? Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm assuming he'll be playing Brian in some upcoming role. I did read that uh, the same writer is is currently penning the screenplay. Mm-hmm. I read so that as maybe, well. Maybe there's maybe there's an attachment. Who knows? I also read, possibly thanks to the Fifth Beatle for pushing it along, he was just inducted into the Hall, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. Oh, oh wow. Non- Excellent. Non-musician, yeah. There you have it. We don't even need it to do the book club. Been a great is. night. See you guys later. Guys. All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> he lowers his laptop screen. <laughs> I wish I would have fell asleep on him. That would have been awesome. Went in the hyper. Uh, <laughs> I had no idea what the what the plot of this book outside the title was. I thought there maybe was a, a fifth member that was kicked out. I don't know what was happening. Um, the only thing I I saw was I think I read the Dale's t- Tumblr post, a little description of the actual book. But um, when I was first reading it, well, I I, I really enjoyed it. I loved seeing um, this kind of unsung hero, his 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 hard work and his passion told in a graphic novel format, and the art by Robinson was dynamite. Good lord, that guy is so good. He's so good that he never does a monthly book. He just does covers now. Oh, really? Maybe he only ever did covers, but I don't know if it just takes him too long because he was referred to as a painter in the hmm. in the latter part of the book. But man, his stuff is so good. The um, the Brian Epstein character was 
I mean, the book starts out in like the first two, three pages, you instantly know what's going through this guy's head through the entire journey. And it's not like they don't beat around the bush about his sexuality or the troubles that he goes through trying to be himself and to find love and to find a partner. I mean, the first two pages are him. I don't even think there are any words. There might've been some song lyrics and disclaimer. I do not like the Beatles that much. So I don't know what of any song lyrics that were in the book, but it opens with him kind of walking up to a sailor one night and you kind of see that there's maybe some kind of unspoken, like, okay, yeah, let's do this tonight. And then he punches him and beats him within like an inch of his life, the Brian Epstein character. And then the next day he goes to his family business, which is a record store, I guess the biggest in Liverpool, a chain. And he kind of just goes about his day as if nothing happened. He doesn't have anyone to talk to about it. And at that time in the, I don't know if it was the late fifties, early sixties, but you know, if that kind of lifestyle were to get out, he would have been like thrown in, you know, in prison you know, just really dark yeah. stuff at that time for, to, I mean, just to go through that as a person and not have anyone to talk to. He had a loving family. His family was amazing. They, they were so proud of him and all this stuff, but throughout the entire book, he really didn't have a partner. And then when he did find someone that he thought was a partner, he was like, he turned out to be this psychopath kind of worst case scenario my love has to be secret and I find this person that I'm warned about and he turns into a nutcase and then, you know, just really depressing just to have, um, to read that and to kind of connect with a person that went through that. It was really, you know, yeah. tough to read. Yeah. It was so tough that that's a lone, lonesome side of him that is never, never truly like fulfilled and, it's so weird because you know in the in the beginning you know he f- kind of fills that hole with the Beatles because he they show him going to the cavern which is where the uh, Beatles would play all the time when they were you know before they were got big thanks to Brian Epstein they got big but you can see like just in the illustration with no words maybe some song lyrics again but just Brian Epstein's amazement at watching these four guys play together like he completely falls in love and and starts to believe that they and he keeps saying it through the whole book that they're going to be bigger than Elvis one day and and he completely like enamors himself and becomes obsessed with making them successful but it still never f- fulfills that that partnership that he needs he needs love you know what I mean and you know he just happens to like like it from other guys or whatever and and he, it's illegal to do that in England and he, and in New York he just finds this blackmailing <laughs> scumbag but this towards the you know later you know 5 6 years down the road but his absolute perseverance and I, I, I'm going to fear I'm going to start skipping around but the 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 only thing the book left me wanting was more story about Brian Epstein because you can only feel so much in a graphic novel because if you start getting into intricate details it's going to be too much story and too much art and too much book for a graphic novel style and there's just so much so many questions I had about his short life you know I have a a similar note you know the, the entire book just presents 
Brian is this sympathetic character that that while he's making things happen, a lot of things just happen to him. And I found myself wanting more of scenes like his confrontation with Colonel Parker. When he is in that dining room scenario and the art kind of changes to make uh, Parker seem like the devil, Mm. like you finally see Brian's, and this is going to sound bad, but like his backbone. Not that we didn't see it before, but you see his edge, what Mm -hmm. made him such a good producer or such a good manager. And that whole exchange where, you know, verbally Brian outfences the colonel and kind of leaves him to his own devices because he won't be made to deal like that. I found myself wanting more and more of those interactions showcased that we never really got to see. Not that his personal life wasn't the, you know, the main stage event, but that little side story I, I really liked. How about the artistry of conveying how like evil the colonel was in that whole conversation? Yeah. He was like the devil almost, you know, three panels in, you knew what this creep was all about and and I have to mention how at the end of the book the writer says, you know, like uh, based on actual events, like how would how would he get the information of what happened in that conversation from anyone, you know, really outside of that server? Because I don't, I doubt the colonel relayed this information to anyone about his first meeting with Brian Epstein, oh, or maybe sure. Brian told third hand somebody. But there were some liberties taken. The writer mentions like I wasn't really concerned with facts so much as getting his passion out there mm-hmm. and the hard work that he put in. But Jonesy, you're uh, grew up, you know, huge Elvis. Was yeah. the colonel regarded as kind of like a monstrous, money grubbing, you know, businessman? You know, the, being from the South and the, the family of my father, I think, thought he was Elvis for a while. Um, you know, the colonel is seen as like a necessary evil. But, you know, towards later in the life, later in Elvis's life, when he really became kind of the money grubber, he's looked at disdainfully. But, you know, the, the, the Sun record years, it's Elvis and Colonel Parker, they went together. 50%. And not until, uh, was that 50% figure accurate? Yeah, 50%, the colonel got 50% uh, of everything? Yeah, that was accurate. Oh, my Lord. That guy made out like a bandit. Yeah, Elvis did, and I want to say it was like 22 films. And you got to figure 22 films that he acted in and made albums to, and Colonel Parker got 50% of all those. And the alleged chaos. 100K side uh, consulting gig. From, what, from yeah. what I understand, that's a, that's a real thing. Goodness. That he charged just to just to get Elvis in the door to listen to your idea cost a hundred thousand dollars. Troubling, very troubling to me. I'm looking for my Elvis to exploit in my life someday. <laughs> Look in the mirror, friend. <laughs> the uh, the the storyline from like beginning to end was artistically, I thought it was gorgeous. I love the Kyle Baker kind of his style jumped in for the story with the Philippines. Mm-hmm. with the Beatles and how worried he was about that. Um, the stuff with his assistant, you know, his assistant was kind of almost obviously in love with Brian Epstein. Oh, yeah. But he, you know, never really talked about him, you know, not being attracted to her in the least. Um, I thought, like, when I, I, to be honest, when I first started reading the book, I thought the kind of, 
I thought them referencing his sexuality was like super heavy handed and I didn't realize it was going to play such a large part in the story. Like his family talking about how he was, you know, he was into drama class and he was a dressmaker. And then I was like, man, I was like, I wonder how often they're going to mention, you know, his obvious flamboyance growing up. And then I realized that, you know, this is a big part of the story and how, Mm -hmm. you know, he was never able to talk to talk about it to anybody. Especially if, and now I only I read the Wikipedia on, on Brian Epstein around after around reading this book, but he I wonder if that directly from the doctors fed into his ultimate demise of the doctors prescribing him like barbiturates to to kind of calm him down, but also you know to help with the homosexual tendencies. Like that was probably a very real thing, but I wonder if in Brian Epstein's case that was the case and he was prescribed so much medicine and he abused it because of that mm-hmm. because every time he was uh, there was a scene where he was at the doctor and they, he was the doctor was prescribing a script of medicine it was always brought up that maybe this would help your homosexual tendencies too but it was never it was never like it never seemed like a concern of his but maybe it was just not voiced because there were some things left out, obviously, in the book that just probably couldn't make it in for timing. But I wonder if he would... I wonder if he wanted, like, the homosexual tendencies to go away because it was getting in the way of his work or because it was highly illegal. <laughs> right. I wonder why... Uh, maybe we'll never know, but I wonder why he kept taking the medication because at first I felt like he was being prescribed it, but then he wasn't taking it. And that was his way of kind of doing whatever he wanted and he didn't want to change. But he definitely, you know, he obviously did keep taking the medication and was abusing it. And, I mean, even the first night when he spends the night with um, Diz, which is like his dream night, he meets this man in New York City um, knowing full well, he like almost like he didn't care what was going to happen, but this this is what I want. And he became infatuated with this Diz character and that, that two-page of them, you know, making love and there's drugs everywhere. And it's just, you know, he just ate it up like the, the mm-hmm. medication and then, and the Diz character. God, I felt so bad. Like he got sucked into this guy who he, t- he was told that he wasn't going to be good for him by Nat. I think it was the, the, yeah, his, like his advisor, his best okay. friend. And, um, but man, he, the, the, inter- the time there's a scene later where he gives an interview on an English television, you know, kind of yucking up the spotlight, talking about how he's single. And then that character is in the audience and and during the Q&A talks about how, you know, gay men, sh- will, is it true gay men will be arrested or if they're caught in the act? And then the one really great scene, and I have no idea the validity of a lot of this stuff, um, but how Nat, the Diz showed up at a press conference and then Nat, uh, told him later, "Is like you won't ever have to worry about him again." I wondered, like, I wonder what what he did right. to Diz, yeah. or did he pay him off, or did he just have him like murdered? <laughs> like, so that's what he meant. He would never, you never have to worry about him again. I was really curious. Talking about everything, we're almost talking about everything, but the Beatles stuff. But he, they really like highlighted him pounding the pavement and shaping the Beatles into what they became before they, you know, kind of before like right before Sergeant Peppers where they kind of like went off in their own 
in a different direction that Brian Epstein had planned for them. But that's just around the same time Brian Epstein died, and they kind of was uh, were doing the own thing. But he like he gave them their look. He gave them you know the haircuts they needed, and he just forged a bond with with all four members of the Beatles that they completely trusted him and in the afterword of the book and stuff and on the wikipedia page uh you know some stuff comes that comes out after his death that they kind of figure out that he wasn't the best businessman like uh, it's all about those uh the toy deal he made where he tried to get um some legal action taken or something because he made bad deals with merchandising that was in the book but it kind of uh you know a couple years after his death John Lennon was like quoted as saying he, you know, it turns out that Brian Epstein wasn't really completely trustworthy, and you know, we we kind of maybe got screwed on some on some stuff. But then, I guess time starts to heal wounds, and post that time, after 1970 or so, they start to kind of uh, posthumously, you know, love the guy again. They never really fell out of love with him, but hmm. it was. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was weird, and and. After he, so Sergeant Pepper's hit, and he, I mean, Brian Epstein died in like 1967, so it was uh, before the Beatles kind of just went went into their non-pop phase, I guess, or, you know, their evolution of music, which a lot of people appreciate and, you know, it really evolved music how it is today, but. God, he died when he was 32. Yeah. Wow. And and it was because the barbiturates he was prescribed uh, prescribed barbiturates, and he was taking the recommended doses dosage, but with his al- the alcohol abuse, it like lowered his tolerance for barbiturates, and it and ultimately killed him with like a low lethal dose. He died in his sleep. So in the end of the book, when he's in his bed with Moxie there, you know he keeps like having this Groundhog Day type scenario, mm-hmm. but he eventually. His butler found him the next morning alone in his room, dead from the barbiturates. It never gets into that, into him dying at the end of the book, but you can kind of assume that's what happened to him. It says, uh, it was revealed that he had taken six carbitrol pills in order to sleep, which was probably normal for him, but in combination with alcohol, they reduced his tolerance to lethal levels. Beatles did not attend his funeral. Wow. To allow, well, allegedly to yeah. allow his family some privacy and to avoid attracting fans and media. Like the thing I thirst for the most, this, and I mean, this is a fantastic book. You got to read it. And if you, if you read it, it's just going to whet your appetite for, for more of the real story. And which yeah, is, like which I is want, great. I want, I want kind of like the nitty gritty now. Yeah. Like this is the whimsy uh, Brian Epstein getting his due. Mm-hmm. But now I'm curious because like there's even a section on the wiki of like him losing a ton of money while gambling with the Colonel. <laughs> so I'm like interested in like, what you know, what's that story? Yeah. And it's, and obviously, you know, Vivek had to take liberties again. Yeah. To, uh, to not put certain things in the book because it takes away. But the book is, you know, primarily like even when, Brian Epstein's at his darkest. It's not completely a dark and dismal story to read. I mean, the the art is fantastic and it keeps you kind of uplifted. The Colonel Parker stuff is probably the most like scary take on uh, you know uh, representation of a person. But 
like just the way it's written and the way you know each individual member of the Beatles like it's it was it's so fantastic when Brian like is uh courting them to be the manager when they first sign on like each member of the Beatles like they speak with this like poetic tone it's almost like a song when they're conversating with Brian and Vivek wrote it in such a way that it's like it it just completely works and they're like really uplifting and and it kind of reminds you of like how the Beatles would be in a cartoon or something and it's written yeah. to the T. Mm-hmm. Well that I want to say the 10 page short story about them in the Philippines is almost meant to be the cartoon version of those characters yeah. like the almost that Sergeant Pepper's post like we're a cartoon and we're going to take these serious politics and make them goofy. Help us, kind of Lisa. Do, yeah. Lisa, help us. <laughs> help us. <laughs> oh, man. The, um, I, I, I couldn't, at first, first read or during the read, I wasn't positive why he was so enamored with the Beatles at first. Like why he did, he like, you know, diverted his entire life to ensuring they were a success. And then as the book went on, I kind of got my interpretation of it was, you know, he is almost kind of like a hopeless romantic for love and he might never get it. So he wanted to use the Beatles as his conduit for spreading love as far and as wide as he possibly could, which I thought was a really cool message. Yeah. Yeah. It really was. It was beautiful and it worked. I mean, the guy was it, you know, hitting, london uh record companies and he eventually like just convinced somebody at emi's comedy album division to sign the beatles so it was like he was trying everything because he believed in them so much it was just it's just an incredible story about what this guy could do and what he did for the beatles and the future of music i mean it all like it all stems from mm-hmm. that and it, you know we and he suffered guy died at 32 good grief Crazy. That's that's Jonesy right now. Dead. God. Missing I'm toe. Posthumously about to read letters. The fifth Beatle. We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. Letters at paperkeg.com. You shoot us a letter. We might read it on the era. All right. uh, Our first letter comes to us from dear friend of the show, Catcher. Mm. His uh, subject reads, Tom Cruise and Jane Z. (laughs) Uh, If you can still use parentheses, it's time to turn it up another notch. And uh, he sends us a big old pick of Tom Cruise and his jet fighter, his F-14, uh, with his thumbs up. I don't know if you can see that there. but You probably could read. There is the uh, the first letter. Uh, full disclosure. Did I, did I miss a letter? Full disclosure. This, uh, this is a thread of emails that I may have been drunkenly responding to via vacation oh, yeah, game here we night. Go. I just saw that the now. letters at paperkeg.com account with Catcher. Uh, all right, I'm going to try to read all these men. Uh, he writes first, the first uh, I am not by any means a Tom Cruise fan, but to let this podcast dream idea die 
would be a tragedy. So in hopes of keeping the Tom Cruise podcast idea alive, I came up with some uh, with some names. I hope they tickle your bone. One, Endless Love, the title of his first film. Two, Cruisin'. Three, the Tom and Friends podcast. Four, Passing on the Outside. Five, Short, Swift, and Smiling. Six, Inherited. <laughs> P.S. How long until Jonesy's last night female personality, Jonesy, takes over permanently? Would she finally be the first official female member of the show? Hashtag transgender keg. Uh, trolling me will be a theme in these uh, letter segments tonight, so <laughs> just hold on, folks. It's going to ratchet up uh, to its peak. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, some people still believe. I don't know what that means for the future, or you know, it's just a novelty that's going to appear in the letter segment every once in a while. But you mean the the Tom Cruise podcast idea? That's exactly that what I That we do mean. a podcast episode, a podcast devoted to his movie library. Oh, man. People still believe, Slim. People need to believe. They need to hold on to that. I don't blame them. I would hold on to that as well. Yeah. Um. Next letter, titled "My Mind's Eye." Howdy, Paper Cake Crew. It's Ryan here. I have written into the show, and I was so overjoyed hearing my last email read on air. I decided to write in again. A few things to get off my chest. Number one, I have received my paper cake shirt in the mail, and I was ecstatic. I am a 19-year-old college student, and I have been wearing the t-shirt around campus nonstop. Lots of comments and chances to recommend the podcast. I can certainly say from personal experience that when the ladies see me rocking my paper keg tea, they instantly just want to get primal. (laughs) So yeah, first round of shirts were legit, and if you guys decide to print more, I will gladly buy again. Two, and now kind of the point to me writing this long email, I have an interest. I have an interesting prerequisite listening to the show. I have no clue what you guys look like. I have never looked up or searched for pictures of any of you. Although I accidentally once clicked on Slim's Twitter and quickly looked away before I could see what he looked like. The reason for this is I want to use my imagination to make up my own mental pictures of all of you. I feel like seeing real pictures of you three. R.I.P. Fark Marrington would almost spoil things in a weird way. I like to have imaginative, grand mental pictures of each host because, frankly, it's very entertaining to not know the physical features of the voices I listen to every week. This is a weird habit I do with a lot of podcasts I listen to, but Paper Keg is the only podcast I have dared write in and ask this odd favor. Would you guys describe each other on air? I think it would make for an entertaining few minutes and provide amusement for me to try imagine the host being described. Ha ha. Thanks, but I do understand if this too odd of a request and you fellas skip this favor altogether. No hard feelings. Take care. What a request. We're still flying, Joss. From Ryan. P.S. I'm sorry to drag this email even farther out, but Jonesy, thank you so much for introducing me to Secret Garden by the boss. I am a huge totally totally me. I am a huge Bruce Springsteen fan thanks to my dad, but I have never heard of that gem until those glorious moments on the podcast. A great song but with a tin of humor. Thanks to your guys' magical work on the show. Ryan, I am so happy to provide that moment <laughs> to you. <laughs> Full disclosure. That wasn't Ryan. even that wasn't I, even, that was that was no, Dale, wasn't it? It was absolutely Dale. Yeah. But I I will take those uh If you hear music on the show that in no way fits <laughs> 
and goes on for nine minutes and is way too loud, and that's Jonesy. Uh, so anyhow, I would describe Dale as a cross between the elder statesman, Clapton, and the goon from comic book fame. Oh my God. Eric Goonton. And that is That's his name, Eric Goonton. All right. Eric Goonton. Elder Statesman Clapton slash the goon. And uh, Jonesy could be described as a boyish cherub uh, <laughs> in adult's clothes mm-hmm. wearing some kind of wig. You know, these cherubs don't grow long hair. I, I remind myself of the cover of that Van, Hel- uh, Van Halen album where the uh, angel's smoking a cigarette. <laughs> <The> baby. <laughs> that works. The baby angel baby. Jonesy is an adult baby smoking a cigar. <laughs> With the, he's got got the hair of Monster Squad's vampire Dracula, <laughs> but a little more puffy. Like, it's super slicked back like that, but not as flat to his head. <laughs> Jonesy can't hold his head near any open flames. <laughs> oh, all right. It's a hazard. So, Dale, you have to describe Slim now. Slim when he, when he, is... Uh, gargantuan head. Yeah. I, I mean, he's got, a, he's got a big head. It usually masks it with, like, a trucker hat. Yeah. Um, I can't grow a mustache. Physically impossible to grow a mustache. So I can only have facial hair around my chin yeah. or cheeks. Yeah, it's dynamite. He's kind of his chin. This chin juts out <laughs> <laughs> like a like a Jay Leno character. Not maybe not as prominent as that, but for a character, mayhaps. Right. And. uh I don't know, a cross between Matt Damon, something amazing, and something more amazing. <laughs> Matt Damon and Brad Pitt have a love child, and that's slim. I mean, it's hard. You know, we just went on vacation together. We spent eight sure. days together, so I got yeah. nothing but love. You know, we were in the hot tub most nights, <laughs> showing each other our receipts, aka pulling our pants down in the hot tub. <laughs> may have gotten that, may have went that far. You know, who knows? Who knows what <laughs> happened in those hot tubs? It's frothy in there. Can't see yeah, under anything, the water. Anything goes. Whatever happens in a hot tub stays in the hot tub until it's drained. I have. I may have sliced some ankles and calves with my uncut toenails. It was sexy. That's all get out. <laughs> sexy. Oh, boy. Is it my turn to read a letter? I believe yes. it is. Thank you, Ryan, for the letter. Big, big moment here. Uh, Jimsy loves beer, you know. Previous episodes, we really laid it on thick. We wanted Jonesy to get an Xbox One. But for whatever reason, nobody really knew why he didn't want to. He, he quote, had a pre-order for PS4 from his wife. Not transferable. <laughs> so we have a letter here uh, from one Catherine Jones, Jonesy's wife. Dear hosts of the Paper Keg Podcast, excluding my husband, at Jonesy Loves Passing the blame. After looking at at Jonesy throws his wife under the bus's blog, I came across a paper keg episode with a section about me. Intrigued, I listened and heard the most ridiculous lie. I feel I have no other choice but to defend myself, and in the process, throw my husband back under the bus, which is only fair after I found out he did so easily to me because he thought I never listened to your podcasts. Anyway, about the Xbox and my supposed involvement. Did I buy him a game for the PlayStation? Yes, I absolutely did. 
did I get it for him on my own without him specifically asking for the PS version of the game? No, I absolutely did not. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Did I ask him when all of you guys were talking about the Xbox if he wanted me to cancel the pre-order and get him the Xbox version? <laughs> yes, I most certainly did. Mm. Did he say no? Yes, he most certainly did. <laughs> so my dear friends at Paper Keg, not including my husband, your guess is as good as mine as to why he won't get the Xbox. But I had absolutely nothing to do with it other than buying him a game for his, quote, Jesus birthday. He's 32, so he's way off on that one. That he specifically asked me to buy for him. Thank you for your time, and I look forward to apparently never listening to your show and continuing to apparently being the fun police in the household. There's actually a camera in little Christian Bale's eyes, so I can monitor everything and immediately stop fun if I see it happening in my home. Kindest regards, Mrs. Jonesy. Wow. Man. Wow. You know, the theories prove true. Oh, my gosh. Jonesy, bold face lying to us <laughs> and to our, our friends of the show. I have no comment. Amazing. I mean, Jonesy's lawyer has apparently advised him not to comment any further. <laughs> I just thank my wonderful wife for taking an interest in Paper Keg. Good grief. And thank you for listening. Jonesy apparently running for office from Horsham. PA next <laughs> next week. I mean, I I even if he, if he could have just I tried covering for him and just say he's a PlayStation guy first, you know, and that's fine. He wouldn't even but say he, that. I mean, what a tangled web we weave. Like in the words, the immortal words of Will Smith, Miami bring the heat for real. And uh, I was scared, guys. Maybe what it comes down to, Junty just doesn't want to play video games with us on Xbox. No. No. That, that's Jonesy's uh, no, that means yes. Yeah, if you could hear it. Are you guys even still playing Titanfall? Yeah. Re- yes. Really going to play tonight? Yep. You guys are going to hop on right after this show yeah. and just play yeah, the crap remember, out of Titanfall. Remember when I said if Jonesy gets an Xbox Titanfall bundle, I would dump three uh, uh, buckets of ice water on my head? Oh my God. And he still wouldn't. He still wouldn't. one chance. <laughs> he didn't want me to donate money to stop diseases. That's how. That's oh, he just rolled his. Oh man, <laughs> he's had to take a swig of water. Jonesy's eye roll. I, I've never seen eyes roll like that before in my life. Because you know need what? To move on. He's mad at himself for getting caught. Yeah. Oh gosh, Jonesy caught live on air. Mm. You know the likes of which most marriages have never seen. <laughs> man. Oh man. Well, let's move on. I mean, let's move on. That's think, all we can do. I think. Well, we, thank God. Thank God. The last letter is not going to troll me in any kind of we way. We have to try to move on past this. I think everything that's been said about the subject has been said. Hopefully. Uh, next letter, friend of the show uh, and uh, co-host of the Ancillary Characters and Turtle Jump podcast and Tardis Time podcast. Paul Shirley at Jolly Green Five on the Twitter. Subject. The Morrisonian. Jonesy, I have to agree with Slim. Why did you even read Multiversity? It was only ever going to be a culmination of all the things that I love about Morrison's work, which just so happens to be the things that drive you crazy. Captain Carrot was amazing. Pause for Jonesy's facial I know, reaction I just, to, you know, Captain, to each their own to the word Captain Carrot. To each their own. Takes all kinds. Also, no mention of the DC Universe Avengers lineup. Jonesy? It, 
Don't ask me what. Don't ask me why I love the kooky Morris and stuff that only the insane or inebriated could possibly come up with. But I do. I love it. That being said, I would never recommend Multiversity to a non-Grant fan. I'd hand that. I'd hand them his entire run and Batman and Robin, solid gold. Much love, Paul. P.S. The vehement distaste in Slim's voice when he slammed Jonesy. Charles slammed. Charles slammed. When he slammed Jonesy for loving Guardian, Guardians of the Galaxy and hating this was an instant classic. Flummoxed. Thank you. I mean, I'm a big fan of this kind of newish last 15 episodes letters segment that is just an attack on Gen Z. I'm really... <laughs> every single time. The vibe? The vibe's really good right now. You can feel it. It's it like, feels real good. It's like everybody's hopping on board. We all have the, the same message. Everybody out there yeah. has the same clear message. Yeah, and the, atta- the, the message is clearly attack. Attack. Go on the attack. Attack. Gen Z, your thoughts on <laughs> Paul Shirley... Uh, multiversity and you go listen it takes all kinds to love comic books so maybe he gets it and I don't get it can't hate the guy for that can't knock the guy for loving what he likes just not for me well so uh, on that on that maturity uh, we did get a live YouTube comment during this broadcast at Gorilla Scribe on the Twitter may still be watching us that's Mr. Matt Moore um, current uh, new new contributor to the Coffee with Kenobi podcast, I think, with the amazing okay. uh, blog handle Matt at Matt at Matt at like mm-hmm. Matt at of the Star Wars. You know, Baltimore has changed you three. You're more mature, more manly. My my microphone, <laughs> <laughs> my microphone just comically dropped. Out of this essie stand because I'm using my old bunk stand because I haven't got the mic stand. I haven't taken the mic stand out of my car yet that I drove to Baltimore that we never used because Jonesy never brought any of his podcast equipment. So my good mic stand sits in the trunk of my car because I haven't gotten it out yet because spoilers, I took it out spoilers we're going to record a Baltimore Comic Con episode attack. spoilers attack attack but as we got on the road Jonesy realized he forgot his microphone lugged everything up in that dolly that bellhop dolly the amount of work that's involved in packing up podcast <laughs> oh, equipment is elaborate all Jonesy had to do was throw one microphone into his car, it, right. possibly a back pocket, but he did not. We got one. We got another one in hot off the wire from the same Matt Moore who commented on our YouTube page. Urgent dispatch. Multiversity will turn out to be the death of us all. Jonesy's reaction to the book is a harbinger of valiant things to come. Time may not prove right, yet I feel the series, as weird as it is, is this stew of mishmash tropes that must be obeyed. There you go. I'm, I'm more talking in code. He is, but you know what? He's he's obviously given in to the he's powers to, I don't know what's happening. of Grant Morrison's Sea Guy. He probably just got done reading Sea Guy, and he's ready to uh, speak in code with the rest of the Morrisonians. Spoilers. Sea Guy was going to be a book club until one of us started reading it, and then we decided against it. 
we as collective group see it see if you can <laughs> see if you can guess <laughs> who was the first person to read it and make to that speak decision. up and speak up if you guess if you guess correctly the host i will send you a signed headshot of jonesy loves beer <laughs> signed by you signed by me oh man oh boy uh, what a great episode what Dale and I were listening to in the hot tub. I'm sure. As the froth was building up around our chests. Oh, man. And we were locking hands. Running his fingers through Dale's beautiful gray hair. Drinking mixtures of beer and frothy water that may have seeped into our beer can. Because we're just having too much fun frolicking. You know, who knows whose feet we were touching at that time. Could have been anybody's. <laughs> it was open I don't season. know who else was in that hot tub. Nobody knows. We'll see everybody next week. Say I'm a Sting fan. Love that. Guy. I mean, why? Why wouldn't it be? It's perfectly mm. all right to say that. Jonesy, don't ever feel ashamed if you don't say that. God. Love him. Love, Love him to him. death. You're afraid Gordon. of some troll internet trolling, but if anybody dare troll you on that, I mean, they got they just multiplied their troll victims to three, and we retaliate. <laughs> mm. What a show. Great show. Fantastic. Fantastic GD show. And then we'll be back. We'll be back again in uh, 48 hours. <laughs> we will. About 10 minutes to record the next episode. <laughs> Just might as well not go to sleep. You know, I, I read uh, the book already. Oh if you guys gosh. just want to go wow. right into it. My, you're just, now you're trolling us. You did not. Uh, but you want to feel like you have one up on us from because of our I vacation. I absolutely have read it, friend. Some piece of work you are, I'll tell you. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't read anything else. <laughs> That's it. I was uh, reading, uh, catching up on Uncanny. Of course, one just came out last week that I didn't read, but oh, you Uncanny know, I did so read stellar, that. so stellar. How about that, Chris uh, Anka? Oh man, Chris Anka, guys, turned into a big time stud, big stud. Who? What would I know him from? Uncanny X Men. You reading Uncanny, uh, Jamesy? I I have not read it. How do you even have time to read anything else between Spider-Man 2099, Amazing Spider-Man, <laughs> Back Issues of Spider-Man, Daredevil, Daredevil. <laughs> Iron Fist. Yeah, is that Iron you still Fist, reading great that? title. Of course I am.
Didn't Thor just end too? What were your thoughts on that? Um, well, a Thor is just going to be wielding that axe they reveal at the end of issue twenty-five. He's not. Oh, really? Leaving the, the, the Marvel germ, U. The germ germ. Yeah, the germ germ. Oh, that's cool. And uh, but it still didn't reveal who. Spoilers. The new Thor was I actually. I, someone asked Brevort, I think, on Tumblr, um, who if it was X person, and he's like, "Stay tuned" or something, something coy. It was one of the Inhumans, I think. Whatever the blonde Inhuman girl is, I have no idea what it is. She's going to be the new Thor? He, he just was coy. He's like, stay tuned. He didn't say yes or no. Hmm. But I, I've heard theories like it's Jane Foster. I've heard... Uh, Who's the blonde yep. Inhuman? That's who the person is. I have is. no idea. I, I thought it was really going to be one of his three granddaughters oh, from the future. God. Maybe it will be. That, that, makes, that makes sense. It does. Let's see. Here. I mean, the, oh my god! I I haven't read Avengers twenty five, but the freaking future storyline with old Thor versus Galactus, man! Holy that was crap! So awesome. That might be. I don't. That just might be the storyline of the year. I'm sorry. That's so. Yeah. Slim, did you ever read God Bomb? Any of the? I think any I stopped at God Bomb. Is is Ribic still doing the art? Yeah, yeah he's back on for yeah. the for the year. So if you you remember that the. God bomb guy had the uh, the God killer had the black sword. Hmm. So the future Thor, in order to kill Galactus, has to like take up that weapon and it taints him. Like it makes him like unworthy, but he kills Galactus with it. Hmm. So my thought was that one of the granddaughters, the young three sisters, was going to take up Mjolnir and become the new Thor. But well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. It's cool that um, Thor's just going to be wielding Yarn Yarn Bjorn and still be in the Marvel U. That's awesome. Yeah, I thought he was going to go missing or something. Can't wait. But I did see him in Axis, Mm. kind of looking disheveled. Did that start? Homeless Thor. Uh, No, they released some Adam Kubert preview pages. Mm. Can't wait. I'm trying. I was just, I mean, I was having like a battle with myself today when I was before the show reading I just I gotta get back I gotta dive head first back into comics I kinda fell out if it's not a book club for the show you know it's like I'm reading the minimum and I think mm-hmm. it's easy for us to say that for all of us but I gotta get back into it I love them so much I just how about um all new X-Men trans uh teleporting to the ultimate universe interacting with Miles Morales seen that um i saw yeah the previews for i can't i think that's going to be a great how can it not be a great storyline it is it's pretty good have you guys been reading miles morales ultimate spider-man that title i have actually i'm reading it it because the first issue ended with a cliffhanger of peter parker coming back and i don't know i just i can't like reading these books monthly just stinks because it's in like that bendis mode where he can keep you reading and nothing happens for like months at a time like you're still not even sure if it's really peter parker and i feel like they're like i don't know i feel like this book has been going on for like six to eight months mm-hmm. i don't know maybe it just feels that maybe they're only on issue three or something but you still don't know if it's the real peter parker yeah my coworker was telling me that too and he i mean he does that. he does he's doing that in uncanny with the last will and testament like yeah and then they just drug that out yeah uh, like they have now they have kind of like the Part one of 
kind of yeah. the last will and testament. Now you have to go find this character that could take like eight issues, and then then they'll have to go back and read the rest of it. Yeah, which is he's like he spends all this time saying about how he's he's kept track of this mutant, and then at the end he's like, and now let me go on and read my will. <laughs> it's like yeah, what what? I mean, it's a, it's great story, but you can definitely drag it out. I'll tell you what, he actually pwned me when reading the most recent um, Uncanny, I think, because it it shows Scott's team training, or it opens up with the Avengers attacking the young X-Men, and they're like, X-Men, we're taking you in. And I was like, what the F again? And then it was revealed to be a Danger Room scenario. Oh, man. (laughs) So he got me. It was probably written specifically for me, obviously. And I felt I probably interviewed him a couple times, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought I immediately thought of Jonesy, but when I was reading Cyclops issue number four. Like a Corsair was like, you know what? You know why older you was turned out the way he turned? Like, and I felt personally attacked. I'm trying to stick up for older Cyclops in my head. Starjammer was like, you know why he, you turned out to be the way you are, older you, because you traded in your hope for rage, and I'm just like, there's mm. nothing wrong with Cyclops. There's nothing wrong with Cyclops. You Except mean for everything. Murderer Cyclops? You know what he should probably do? For Cyclops? Uh, murder another mentor to prove a point. Jensen doesn't care about your feelings yeah. on Cyclops. I mean, that S bag. Guy's just trying to freaking pe- hold together feebly. You know, his side of the X. Medically, medically, mentally, by thread. Are we talking about Jonesy or Cyclops? <laughs> Both. <laughs> That's why he ate Cyclops so much. Hey, uh, Cyclops, is his eye still doing that goofy thing? Is that corrected yet? No, not Where corrected. Where he can't quite control it? That Magneto miniseries is so good, too. Have you guys been reading That's that? That's another one where I thought the, thought the first issue was great and then forgot to keep reading. Oh, boy. I, I, so good. I never started picking that up, and then, you know what, Like after th- issue three or four, you know what I think in my head? I'm like, sweet hardcover. Yeah. So I'm like, I might as well not even try now, because eventually a sweet hardcover will come out, and that's what like that's the mode I flip into now when I miss the first couple issues of a book. Even mm-hmm. something like I know um, Southern Bastards probably be come out and tra- you know the image trade or whatever, but down the road they might do a hardcover like they're doing the saga, saga hardcover now. So speaking of Southern Bastards, Southern uh-huh. food, I want to break news right now. My wife and I went to Smash Burger. You guys have Smash Burger over there? Mm, I don't know. No. Well, you probably won't care, but they just started serving Frank's hot sauce on breaded crispy chicken sandwiches over there. Wow. Game change. Really? Game change. They don't have Chick-fil-A's around us. Mm. That's all I got. Yeah, so you got to hold They're on Chick-fil-A. to Chick-fil-A. Wow. No. It's tough. The Chick-fil-A. It's a hard it's life. crazy. It's a hard life. <laughs> I'm sorry, Slim. Give me an old number one with waffle fries. Maybe number three. That's spicy. Oh, that's spicy. Mm, that's spicy. <laughs> you might as well just eat it on the toilet. <laughs> yeah. The siren song of the Chick-fil-A spicy Maybe sandwich. some topical cream around the ring, just because you know it's going to... Some prep H. Might be some stinging anyway. <laughs> 